Welcome to this podcast from Wilkesboro Baptist Church, where we are on a mission to lead our neighbors and the nations to follow Jesus. Thank you for that testimony and for that uh, beautiful song. Thank you, Rachel, for singing that. Thank you, Josh, for worshiping there in the, uh, in the drum booth there. You were, you, were, uh, you were getting with it there a few songs ago. I don't know if y'all could tell. We could tell watching. Uh, it's nice to have a praise team that worships. It's nice to have a, wor- a, a worship team that worships. Both our groups do that so well week in and week out. Thankful for each of you and for your singing and for leading us in worship. Okay, so uh, the book of Proverbs is a really practical book, all right? Proverbs lets us know that God cares about the way that we live our lives on a day-to-day basis. It talks about specific things that aren't too common throughout the rest of Scripture, or if they're common, if they're noted, it's not a major theme. But Proverbs makes a lot of these a theme. So we're going to look at the theme of money, walking wisely with our money. I realize this can be a quite personal message because the money you have in your wallet, it is absolutely not wrong for you to plan ahead and for you to save money according to the book of Proverbs. Why should we save? Why should we plan? Because Proverbs also says this about money, Proverbs 22, 7, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. One of the reasons we should save and prepare is so that we don't end up borrowing more than we need. When we borrow more than we need, we put ourselves in a financial pickle. All of us, many of us, let me say it this way, many of us have been in those financial pickles before where we've gotten ourselves in more debt than we can afford and we're strapped financially. That's not healthy. The book of Proverbs teaches us that we should earn our money, we should spend it wisely, we should save it, we shouldn't overextend ourselves financially also tells us that we should share it. Now, we're going to come back to that at the end of our sermon. That's just some practical advice from the book of Proverbs. It is not something to be hoarded. How many of you like the television show Hoarders? Anybody? It, it stresses us out. I don't know anybody that enjoys it. I know some people that can't stop watching it. Because, you know, they, they can't imagine what it's like to live in a house that's so controlled by things. You can't imagine being Ebenezer Scrooge who, who was, you know, so miserly with every little penny that he had in uh, Dickens' The Christmas Carol. Folks, that's not to be us as followers of Jesus. Money is a tool. It's a tool to be used. It's not something to be hoarded. It's not something to be demanded. It's not something that's to control us. It's something that we're to put underneath the, the hands and the feet of Jesus who rules over us. It's a tool to be used, not a commodity to be hoarded. And if you're hoarding your money and not using it for God-glorifying things, we'll talk about how to do that in a moment, but if that's who you are today, you're hoarding your money then you need a wake-up call from the book of Proverbs. It teaches us how to look at our finances differently. Let me give you a second principle from the book of Proverbs about money. This is the perspective principle. And just practical, how we get it and how we spend it, but what we think about it. It's this. Money is a blessing to steward, not a right of the entitled. And this is the distinction between the lazy person And the person who earns their money. Some people think they're entitled to money. They think because they're alive, somebody ought to pay them to be in existence in the world. That's not right. That's the perspective of a lazy person in the book of Proverbs. 
Money is not something we're entitled to. It's not. The Bible says money is a blessing or wealth is a blessing. Notice this, Proverbs 10, 22. The blessing of the Lord makes rich and he adds no sorrow with it. Let me say it this way. You may have earned a paycheck. The money that that is in your bank account may have been money that you earned through faithful labor or it may have been a gift from somebody else. Or it may have been money that came into your possession through wise investments. And so in that sense, it's yours. But in a completely different sense, it is not yours at all. It's a blessing given to you by God. If you are well off, and every... Let me just say this. I'm going to qualify this in a moment. We are well off. We in our country and in our community, we have it better than most of the people living in the world. And if that's the case, we need to recognize that the wealth that we have does not derive from our own ingenuity. It is derived as a blessing from the Lord. And so our perspective needs to be that money is a blessing to steward. In other words, it's not really mine, it's the Lord's. And I steward it, I'm responsible for it, not something that I think I've got to hold on to because I'm entitled to it as a right. Let me just say it this way. If, if you hit the poverty line in the United States, the poverty line in the United States is about $26,500 for a family of four. It doesn't seem like a whole lot of money. But if you go just above the poverty line to $30,000, if you have a $30,000 income as a family of four in the United States, I want you to hear this, that puts you in the top 19% of income in the entire world. Just think about that for a second. We get out of kilter sometimes in perspective where we look around and think, oh my goodness, I don't have as much money as they do. Or they have more money than me, or my goodness, I have more money than them, or however we think about that. And it's relative. $30,000 income in the United States, which doesn't make us wealthy by United States standards, but it's in the top 19% in the world. Meaning that even if you don't make a whole lot in the U.S., you're still wealthy. If you have combined family income of $75,000, Do you know where that puts you in terms of income in the world? In the top 5%, 5 5.5% of income in the world if your family income is $75,000 or more. Basically what that means is, folks, most of us in our church and in our community are wealthy. By any standard of human experience, we are wealthy. We're better off in terms of luxuries and commodities than nearly any group of people living in the entire world that have ever been around in the world. We're well off. We're financially secure. More financial security in our homes and in our circles of experience than most people that have ever lived. And certainly we're better off than many of the people living in the world around us. That's a perspective that needs to shape how we think about what we have. It is a blessing It's not a right. Tim Keller put it this way. He said, once you're able to afford to live in a particular neighborhood, send your children to its schools and participate in its social life, you will find yourself surrounded by quite a number of people who have more money than you. But see, he says, you don't compare yourself to the rest of the world. You compare yourself to those in your bracket. 
What we find ourselves doing too often, and this is the flawed perspective that we have, is we look around us and we think, oh my goodness, the people down the street, their house is nicer than mine. They're driving a newer car. They have a newer this. And instead of recognizing the blessing of what we do have, we compare ourselves to everybody else. It's also the flaw in American marketing. I mean, marketing is designed to tell you you don't have enough, you don't have something big enough, you don't have something new enough, and you don't have something nice enough. I'll tell you this, your desires for things will go away if you stop watching commercials and paying attention to ads. Just throwing that out there. You want to have a much more full of peace life and not feel like you've got to have the next thing. Stop being told by everybody else what you need to have. It's a perspective principle, folks. The money you and I have is a blessing to steward. By any standard, we're wealthy. So what do we do with it? We don't think that we're entitled to it. We need to think about it differently. And that gets us to the purpose principle. What is money for? According to the book of Proverbs. How about this one? Money is a gift to be shared, not a God to be worshipped. You need to hear this. We need to hear this as followers of Jesus. Money is a gift to be shared, not a God to be worshipped. The book of Proverbs has a lot to say about what we should do with what we have. How about this one? Proverbs 19, 17. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. When you are generous towards someone who has less fortunate than you, whether it's locally or whether it's globally, the Lord sees that. And technically, the way the book of Proverbs states it, you're giving to the Lord when you're giving to someone in need. A beautiful statement, a beautiful affirmation, something we need to think about. How about this proverb, Proverbs 22, 9? Whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor. That's someone who thinks about their life from the perspective of giving. Not bountiful in that they get a lot, bountiful in that they give a lot. They're a cheerful giver. They're someone who's willing to give away what they have to bless somebody else. How about this one, Proverbs 11, 24 through 26? One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters himself will be watered. People curse him who holds back grain, but a blessing is on the head of him who sells it. Holding back grain was a a means of essentially controlling markets back in the ancient world, and the person who would hold back grain was trying to basically drive up the price, so when they did sell, they would sell at a higher higher premium and they'd make more money. And and in that day and age, when the livelihood rested on, the literal livelihood of people rested on getting grain that day, because they didn't have storage facilities, they didn't have refrigerators and pantries and canned foods, they ate what they bought that day, that week, It, it literally meant the lives of people. So when they were driving up the markets to gain more money, they were gaining money on the backs of people who were poor and potentially putting people in a sense of place of starvation. And this is the tension with the book of Proverbs. Many of those who are wealthy who who used their wealth to oppress that happened in the ancient world, it happens still today. Notice this in Proverbs 14, 31. Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. Listen, it's not wrong to be wealthy. It doesn't mean if you're wealthy, you're an oppressor. 
What it does mean is there are some people who are wealthy who do oppress poor people. That does happen. That still happens in our world today. That happens in all sorts of cultures where there are slave cultures. That happens all over the world. It shouldn't happen. And we as Christians should not be known for anything of the sort. But we should be generous with what we have. Because here's the reality. If money is something that, con- that controls us, meaning that we have to have it so that we can have more influence more power, more prestige, people can look at us, then what money has become is it's no longer a tool, it's a God. It's an idol to us. Instead of it being something we master, it's something that's mastered us. And Jesus had really strong language about that. He said, you cannot serve both God and money. He said, you're either going to serve me completely or you're going to serve that thing completely, that money completely. And so money is a gift to be shared, not a God to be worshipped. Say, Pastor, I have not bowed down to a dollar bill ever. I don't don't worship money. Well, let the Lord and the Holy Spirit be the one to convict you of whether you do or don't. But let me ask you a question. How would you feel if the Lord Jesus came down and sat down right next to you When you were balancing your checkbook. If he sat down right next to you and looked and saw all of your spending habits. Saw whatever you spent your money on. And then he looked at all of the things you had. And then he looked at all of the things that he had blessed you with. And then he he, he leaned over your shoulder and he said, How how much have you given to the poor lately? How How much have you given... To the ministries of your church or the, the nonprofits in your community or the mission partners of your church. If he asked those questions, honest to goodness, how would you feel about Jesus asking those questions specifically about those issues in our own lives? I, I think some of us might legitimately, honestly, feel a little conviction. Because what we spend our money on and what we save our money for... It's truly a window into our souls. It tells a lot about what we think really matters in life and who we think really matters in life. And folks, one of the best ways to make sure that money is not an idol for you is to just start sharing as much of it as you potentially can with as many people as you potentially can share it with. When you share your money, when you give it away, you say it's not going to be in control of me, but that you're going to honor the Lord with it. It's its basic testimony of you affirming that you trust God that he's going to take care of you. By the way, some of you are sitting here and you're thinking, I don't think I can give anything away. I know my budget it's not, doesn't work. Well, you know, there's a lot of advice I could give you. Uh, sometimes one of the best things my wife and I did in our, early on in our marriage is we went through a debt-free plan and we got ourselves out of debt, and, and we don't have any, you know, debt that is, that is unwise debt in our home anymore. We, own, we don't own our house. That's the only debt we have. And we don't have debt otherwise. 
And I, I would tell you, it makes us a whole lot more free and able to help and to give and to, and to do what we feel like we need to do financially when we don't have to pay, you know, several other organizations and other things. And, and I'm just going to tell you, if you can't give, then maybe it's because you need to rethink your money strategy. I've given you some resources in the worship guide if you want to take a look at some of those books. But I'm telling you, when you give money away, you say it's no longer going to control you. It's not going to be an idol for you. Let me give you a few practical pieces of advice for how you give money away. Here's, a, here's an easy one. Give a generous tip to a waiter or waitress. I had a buddy of mine tell me who used to be a waiter. Uh, he said the worst day to be a waiter was Sunday afternoon. That's what he told me. He said the worst tippers were people who just came from church. Now, that wouldn't be us because we're a Wednesday night crowd. There's no way any of you here are going to give a bad tip this Sunday. Well, I don't know. My, my, point is, my point is this. You know, they don't make minimum wage. They don't get paid minimum wage. They, they survive on the tips that people give them. And, and one way that you can show generosity is giving a good tip, especially if they do a good job. That's one thing. How about this one? Support a missionary. Support a missionary. Find a missionary to support. You say, I don't know a missionary to support. Well, I, I, man, we've got a, a fantastic group of mission partners in our church. I could tell you some missionaries that are doing some really God-honoring work across the world. And if you'd like to support a missionary directly or intentionally, I would love to partner you with them. And I'm not just saying do it through the church. You should give through the church. I'm grateful for a giving and generous church. Uh, I hesitated to even preach a message like this because we're $90,000 ahead on budget in, in 2021. God has blessed us. You've been generous to our church. Thank you for that. Look for other ways to be generous. Be generous to missionaries. Support a missionary. Connect, volunteer, or give to a local mission partner or nonprofit. You'd be amazed at the, the, the little bit that you might be able to do it, how it would help a local nonprofit that's caring for people in our community. Or how about this one? Just, just a big one, practice sacrificial generosity. Why don't you go home and think, what's the most amount that I could give tomorrow to some organization, to some church, to some missionary, to some mission partner, and just bless somebody and pray about it? I'm going to tell you something. God uses the generous gifts of people he has blessed to meet the needs of people all across the world. Let me connect it here to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. He said this. He said, he told us to pray, Give us this day our daily bread. Do you realize that sometimes the wealth that you have in your bank account is the answer to that daily bread that somebody else in the world is praying for? When you give generously, a missionary can stay on the field. When you give generously, a missionary can feed his children or her children. When you give generously, somebody who may not have had a meal will have a meal. When you give generously, somebody who may not have been able to read might learn how to read. Tell him, when you give generously, you may be the answer to prayer that somebody else is praying for what's going on in the world. Practice sacrificial generosity. I tell you, all of this really ties back into, into the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because what God wants to do is he wants to change our hearts. There's a great story in the New Testament. One of my favorite stories, I preached on it a few years ago, Zacchaeus. He is the story of that wee little man, right, that, that couldn't see Jesus. So he climbed up in a sycamore tree and looked out to find Jesus. And Jesus walked up to him. And Zacchaeus was, was a wealthy man. Zacchaeus had more money than you and I have based on situation, circumstance in life. He was wealthy by every standard we can imagine. He was a tax collector. 
He had reaped the benefits of defraud, of fraud and, and, and sinful and wicked living. But he wanted to see Jesus. Don't know why he wanted to see Jesus, but he heard about Jesus, wanted to see Jesus. And Jesus did something that was incredibly countercultural in that day. He walked up to Zacchaeus. He looked up at him in the tree. He didn't criticize him. He didn't shot him. He didn't correct him for how bad he had, he had spent his money or defrauded people to get money. He looked at him and he said, Zacchaeus, you need to get down because I'm coming to your house. Jesus said, I am coming to see you because I want you to know me. I want you to know that I am a God who loves you and cares about you right where you are. And when Jesus came to Zacchaeus' house, Zacchaeus got saved. Zacchaeus had a change of heart. God did a work in Zacchaeus' heart and life because he met Jesus. That's what happens when you meet Jesus. He changes you from the inside. He turns us from misers into people who are generous. And when Jesus came to Zacchaeus' house, Zacchaeus said this. He said, I'm going to give half of what I have to the poor. And if I've defrauded anybody, I'm going to pay them back fourfold. In other words, he said, I'm going to do what would happen if I stole money from people. I'm going to return it back. And then notice what Jesus said. Jesus said, Zacchaeus, salvation has come to this house today. Now, he didn't say that because Zacchaeus had earned his salvation by doing good works. But Jesus said, salvation has come. Who came? Jesus came. Salvation walked in the door and saved Zacchaeus. But when Zacchaeus met the Savior, his perspective on money changed. And he gave it to the poor and he blessed those around him. Why? Because folks, when you realize that everything you have is a gift from Jesus, when you realize that everything you own is something that Jesus gave you, when you realize that even the work you're able to do is a blessing that Jesus gave you to be able to do that work, and then when you realize that Jesus gave everything he had to save you and redeem you and forgive you, it changes our perspective on what is ours to bless other people with. Think about it differently. Some of you watching and some of you in the room are in Zacchaeus' place. You have relied on money or you've relied on something else to be your savior. And that was Zacchaeus' problem. He wanted money because he wanted to be wealthy. He wanted to have status. He was trusting in his wealth to be a savior. And you know what? He met Jesus and it changed his perspective and changed his heart. Some of you here today, some of you watching at home, you need to stop relying on that idol, that God of money. It is only full of emptiness. If you're believing in your next paycheck, or if you're believing in that amount that you've got to get to in retirement, or if you're believing in some fixed amount that you're holding on to that you've got to get to that amount of money, if that's what you're living for, you're living for something that you're going to get there and you're going to find that it is not fulfilling. It's not sufficient. It's not enough because money will never be enough. The only one that will ever be enough is Jesus because he's far more sufficient than you can ever imagine. I'm begging you, if you're relying on anything else other than Jesus to effectively be your Savior, turn from it and turn to Jesus like Zacchaeus did. Jesus wants to forgive you of your idolatry, cleanse you. He wants to change you. Christian, if you're here today, I'm just going to be honest with you. You're wealthy. You have a bunch. Why don't you look for someone to bless? I don't know specifically what that looks like for you this week. Maybe you're a planner and you need to plan out giving more. Fantastic. Take some time and plan it. Maybe you're a little more not a planner. Maybe you're a little more kind of on, on, you, you do things off the cuff. 
Well, put some money in your wallet and look for somebody to bless this week. Look for somebody to, to care for and encourage. Why? Because, folks, money is a gift to be shared, not a God to be worshipped. I'm going to tell you something. One of the greatest things you can do for your spiritual life is get the right perspective on money, get the right habits about your money. And you know what, Christian? When you give sacrificially, when you give in a way to trust, you give God an opportunity to show that he's faithful. You give God an opportunity to prove to you he's still going to take care of you. And you know what? Your giving may mean someone all the way across the world has the opportunity to hear the gospel. Your giving may mean that someone literally does not die today because they had food that what you gave provided. Your giving may mean the difference between someone's eternal life and someone's eternal death. I'm going to tell you something, folks. I think we ought to give sacrificially and gloriously. Why? Because the Bible tells us that that's what matters and that's what's important. Amen? Let's uh, stand as we close our worship service tonight. You respond as the Lord leads. If you'd like to trust Jesus to be your Savior and uh, turn away from idols and turn to Jesus, you do so. Uh, Let's pray. Father, we come to you. We ask that you work in our hearts and lives. Thank you for practical wisdom, even when it's about something that we don't really want to hear about. I know, Father, that there are times I don't want to hear about you telling me to do something with my money um, until you remind me it's not my money, that you gave it to me, it's yours, and I pray, Heavenly Father, that you'd use what you've blessed our family with to bless others. I pray that you'd use what you've blessed our church with to bless others. I pray, Lord, right now for our mission partners, those that need extra giving this year, this next year, the year away from now, I pray that you give us wisdom to know who to send money to and give money away to. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you'd even go ahead of us and organize and orchestrate opportunities this week for those of us that are a part of this worship service to give away sacrificially and minister to somebody else. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Remember to like and subscribe wherever podcasts are found. 